Hey, this is John Sally, and thanks for listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. This is Cassie Sobleton. I'm a health and wellness expert, speaker, and author of Back to Balance. You're listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Hi, this is Lisa Hickey, CEO of Good Men Media and publisher of The Good Men Project. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Hey, it's Jason Robel, the author of Eternity, and you are listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. This is Michael Patrick Peters, the creator of Dance Meditation Technique, and you are listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. This is Glenn Barker from the Mankind Project Chicago. You are listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Hi, this is Katie Delbaugh, author of the book Let It Out, and you are listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Here are your hosts, Chris Forte and John Moises. I'm John Moises. That is Chris Forte. Live brave. And this is the Humble Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Humble Warriors. All right. We're going for that trifecta of... Yogis, because this is the third week in a row. No. No, three out of four, though. What are you talking about? Bob Roth, Transcendental Meditation. Oh, we, yeah, we snuck some meditation in between. Yes. Okay, you're right. Three, in, three, three out of the four weeks we've had yogis, three which, is, of, which is great. Which is great. And it's just, it's, you know, trying to emphasize the importance of yoga and, you know, kind of just as part of the, part of the spiritual fitness practice. That's really, you know, one of the main components of the core of my practice. And when we have the type of yogis that we're bringing on, um, we have to take advantage of that. And so we have that opportunity today. And um, very grateful that we have Casey Must uh, on board, founder of Citizen Yoga. And John, you can go through the background here for everybody. Sure. Casey Must is the owner and founder of Citizen Yoga, located right here in Royal Oak, Michigan, well, next door to where we are. She's a graduate of Northwestern University, a former TEDx speaker, a graduate of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, and she is passionate about mental health as it relates to yoga philosophy and life. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast, Casey. Thanks, guys. So wonderful to be here. Can I add one thing? Yeah. Cool. Um, we also have another studio in Detroit as well, right downtown. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Yes. So that, would, that one opened like a year and a half ago. So that Royal Oak was first. Royal it's like Oak having it's like having children. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can't forget a child. Right. So, no. so Royal Oak was baby one. Yeah, baby one was like a little nerve wracking. Okay. Caused a little bit of, of, of tantrum time. Right. And then Detroit was a little smoother, a little Smooth. more interesting. And you have a third one coming. And then we have a third one coming. I'm going to be, hopefully I'm going to be a a mother of many. (laughs) Okay, there we go. That's good. do it. Uh, So I had the opportunity of attending a class of Casey's, which uh, I enjoyed uh, big time. Thanks. Love the energy and love how you're teaching over there at Citizen. And, you know, we're always intrigued from the yogis that we have on, you know, here, you know, how they got started and how you discovered yoga. Yeah. So... I can how, how did you get in, in, into all this? Sure. Um, I started long ago when yoga was not cool, actually. We were like the weird family. And right. I, I, I remember, actually, um, by the time I got to college, I thought it was strange that all my friends now own yoga mats, whereas like finding a yoga mat, there was no yoga clothes. Right, it was like right. My mom was like, here's some sweatpants and a tank top, sweat it out. Right. And um, so I started when I was 10. Wow. Yeah, long ago. Wow. Um, with, you, you started here? I did. I started in Detroit. Okay. And it was primarily a shtanga, no music. Okay. And 
you know, you, you've, whenever I meet a new student, I always think back to that time when down dog felt really difficult. Right. <laughs> when you're just like, how, why, when is this class going to end? Right, right. Um, and so I practiced throughout high school. I was an athlete. And um, I practiced throughout, I went to Northwestern and I practiced throughout Chicago, in Chicago. And it was always sort of the backbone of every other physical activity that I did. And as um, I got into my later 20s, it became more into the forefront. Okay, great. Yeah, it's the activity that you can travel with. Yes. I did a lot of travel. So in Southeast Asia, you don't go out for a run. So you only need a very minimal amount of space right. to practice. So it's the most convenient thing to do. It really is. Yeah. I've, I've learned that too. You know, traveling on the road, all you need is a, is a yoga mat. Sometimes you don't even need a yoga mat. Exactly. <laughs> or you don't even have one. You don't just, even have one. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Tell us about, uh, you know, you're a student of this. Am I going to pronounce this right? Vedanta. 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 Vedanta? Yeah. That was good, Chris. Wow. Wow. Very well. Picking that up. Uh, That's why I didn't even touch that. Yeah, you were entertained by that. Yes. (laughs) So can you tell a little bit about that philosophy, where you learned that? Sure. So I'm just give a little, um, the underlying message of what we do at Citizen is suicide prevention. My sister passed away um, from suicide 2007. And um, one of the things that I was trying to uncover in life is uh, why do we struggle so much? And how do, how do we liberate ourselves from our struggle? Um, there's a Sanskrit term, mumukshatwa, which is um, desire for liberation. And I think that I could relate to that piece a lot. And uh, I found the Vedanta Academy um, actually through another yoga studio. And you know when you have, I mean, Chris, you were telling me the story about the podcast, how you had like that aha moment, like, ah, this is what I'm meant to do. I knew nothing about what I was going to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everybody actually thought I was joining a cult. Right. And right. they were terrified of what I was about to go um, attend. Mm-hmm. And they never thought I was going to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just knew it was right. Right. And um, so I moved to India. And Vedanta is the, it's, I mean, it, there's schools of thought, there's schools of philosophy. Um, but I always say that if you're not fluent enough, you see difference. Okay. And the more fluent you are in philosophy, the more you see similarity. So mm. Vedanta speaks to me. It, it's not the only philosophy. They're, they're all giving you the same message. And Vedanta is, it's meant, it's like the end of knowledge. That's how it, it translates. Um, it, it's comprised of Gita, Upanishads. Mm. Um, and so that's where we started. My okay. teacher, there, it's right outside of Mumbai. Uh, my teacher is, he's about 94 now. Wow. Yeah, and he's phenomenal. And so he's written a lot of books and they make, there are some that are really digestible and then there's some are really cryptic like the Upanishads. And through the three-year course, uh, I studied all of this information. Wow. Which um, started to give some insight into how do you become a better person? Right. What is spirituality? These are terms that the Western world um, doesn't really understand fully. Right. Right. We've made spirituality really complicated. Right. And there are a lot of different ways you can define spirituality. And one of the ways that I love to define it is the less selfish you are, the more spiritual you are. Mm. And it, that was one of the things that I took away most is that if my action was less selfish, I was always doing the right thing. Mm. And so refining your action is a huge aspect of yoga philosophy. Well said, you know, and uh, you hit the nail on the head. You know, spirituality, we've made it so 
you know, there's so many books out there and so many different people that are speaking on it and what have you. But I think you summed it up and what yoga has done for me. And we even heard this from our, our last Derek Townsville, uh, who's our last guest who is yoga, is it, it makes you a better person. Yeah, I mean, it can. It, it can. It can. It, it can. It can. That's true. And But when people talk about body, mind, and spirit, really spirit, you can say, is just your, your, your inner being, your inner knowing, you know, just listening to that that voice or that aha, mm-hmm. which made you, you know, travel and just kind of just following that. And, mm-hmm. and we need tools for that, you know, and yoga is one of those tools. And I think something we mentioned before we got on the air that we could even talk about is having a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love what you're doing and putting it out there that this is, you know, a suicide prevention tool. Yeah. Because, you know, I think John and I have had some conversations and I've had conversations with others and I've been very open about, you know, my, my time of almost, you know, taking my life, you know, you can't get in anybody's head, but you know, I'm sure once, once, at least once someone has ever thought is thought about that, you know, yeah. you know, and then I believe it's going to, it's just going to increase with, um, the presence of social media and people feeling more isolated right. and believing the identities of social media right. and feeling even more isolated, especially the younger generations. Um, so I, I think that these are some of the, the pieces when you, when you find purpose, it just gives you direction. Right. So I'm going to just touch quickly back to what you had said, which is there's that inner voice, the inner voice, um, from a Vedic perspective is your conscience and your conscience is like your true north. Mm. And when you're, it's really loud in your head, sometimes we don't hear it. And when it's a little bit quieter and that doesn't mean I'm not saying sit down and meditate to find it. I'm saying the less selfish you are, the louder your conscience becomes. And it always points higher, higher, not in the sense of going up higher means just more refined. Like you really start to, refine your actions and be mindful about what your actions are actually doing that there's an impact that there's a cause and there's an effect and you can make your life a lot better the more refined your action is action doesn't have to be a physical action it could also be a thought or an emotion so these are some of the pieces that yoga hopefully helps us refine so when we say yoga makes you a better person I don't know if I fully agree with that. I think that if you exercise and use yoga as aerobics, it's no different than anything else. Right. Without some form of direction in your practice, whether that's physical direction or energetic direction or mental direction, then then it's just leaving you exactly as you are. Yes. Maybe with good a point. better backbend. Good point. Or less, not mm. a good backbend. <laughs> right. Right. That's interesting right. you say that because I I practice martial arts. And oh. I've been practicing for super similar. Yeah, seven years. Well, you know, the, you know, Kung Fu was founded by a yogi, mm-hmm. right? Um, but at any rate, that what you just said really resonates with me because we talk about this a lot of times, and my teacher talks about the same kinds of things in our practice that if you're not practicing with intent and incorporating your mind, body, and spirit in what you're doing, then really what you are doing is just exercising. Yeah. And it's like life. You're just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Right. That was something, I mean, I, um, this, this past week, I was really thinking about this because I, was, I grew up in a culture of just flow yoga. That was my culture. And um, we're always looking to 
lose ourselves into our practice. We had, we had touched on that a little bit, and I thought a lot about that, like lose yourself. And really what we're trying to do is clarify our moments, and the more lost we find ourselves in our practice, it becomes less in some ways of a meditation and more of um, like a, a, a trance, and we're trying to become conscious and right. it wake you up in a, in a, in a healthy way, right. in a way that says, I can be better, I can be more. Mm-hmm. And, and actually find ourself, yeah. our true self, our authentic self, or however that's defined to somebody. Yeah. You know, right. I, and one of the things that um, I uncovered while I was living in the academy was trying to define depression because I had been through depression and we had shared those thoughts, um, especially in my 20s. Um, and what I understood now is depression is just a concentration of selfish thought. So without purpose, without alignment, which is I, that's what we teach at the studio, um, your, your thoughts are always going toward you and purpose helps you get out of that sort of mm. mental energy that's way too concentrated on ourselves. So like we have Facebook self, we have Instagram right. self, we have how many likes can I get? And it's like, don't live your life to be liked. Right. Right. Go beyond that. Interesting. And cause we've talked, we've had so many talks about depression right Mm -hmm. you know and you know people are trying to define what that is but that is really basically that's one of the best things i've heard in a while is you know to get you know to take your attention off of you Mm -hmm. or oneself Mm -hmm. finding that purpose and also realizing that we are enough so when, when i hear the word purpose we all have a purpose 100 percent. you know we all have a purpose and it's really to just feel like it's like just nobody has given us the permission to said, you know, you are the purpose. Mm-hmm. And now use that in what, the way you've been created to make it a better world. Right. Well, you know? like, yeah. Well, like we've talked about in the past and other shows, it's so difficult because of kind of our culture, you know, and the way we measure ourselves and look at ourselves. Just like you said, don't don't do this to be liked, to get as many likes as I can on Facebook. Don't do that. And but. It's just we're constantly bombarded with that. We're always measuring, measuring up against your parents, measuring up against what you did in the past, measuring up to what you're supposed to do, how much money you're supposed to You know, it can go on and on and on. I think mm-hmm. it's it's difficult. Yeah. There's a really cool spiritual concept that helped me a lot when I was there. It's called Swadharma. Swadharma is your, your nature. It's field of activity. So for me, it's yoga and business and public speaking. That's my nature. I've always wanted to be sort of, I wanted to be an actress or, you know, like Mm -hmm. that was sort of my nature. Other people, if you have an engineering nature, you become an engineer. If you are, have a law sort of legal nature or like a, um, a very precise nature, you could become a scientist. So we all have a nature and what, we're trying to find is what field of activity is best for us. And then within that, don't function from whether you like or dislike an action. It's like, just find that field of activity and move forward. Because then there's the contrary, which is paradharma, which is fraught with fear. That if you go into the wrong field, it's really de-evolutionary because you're so agitated being in it. So Mm. it's almost like if your dad was a doctor, but you actually are an artist and you go to become a doctor right it's not evolutionary for you because you'll be so agitated that you can't um, think outside of yourself and so i thought that it was a really helpful way to start to think about it like identify your nature 
And once you do that, then you'll know what's evolutionary for you. You'll find a better direction for yourself. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Can you, I want to expand on that a little sure. bit. Sure, yeah, yeah. How can you, one of the things I always. I'm like I'm, a philosophy nerd. Let's like, I love let's it. go. I love it. <laughs> because I'm in this struggle right now. Yeah. Right, I've been, I've been in the career world. I've, I was working at a company, made a lot of money, did some startups. I thought, I was, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. And now I'm like, you know, I really don't like any of that stuff. Yeah. And I've been in this struggle of, all right, what am I going to do in order to make a living and contribute and balance, you know, my responsibilities with what my calling is? And then that leads to what is my calling? Mm -hmm. So how do you, can you expand or talk about ways you can try to, like somebody like me, I can start figuring out what is that? What my nature is and what that is. Totally. Um, and that's a question that I get a lot when I I'll give this lecture. I do a lot of public speaking mm -hmm. on on philosophy, and um, one thing is is there's a time of day to do it. Um, they say we could. <laughs> this is a whole other conversation, but from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. is the time where your mind is quietest. I like to think of it like really? the surface of the water. So in the morning, there's glass on the lake. You have like a glass lake. And then in the middle of the day, there's a little bit more rough water. And in the evening, it's even wilder. Okay. And so in the morning time is when you can self-reflect, which means you can objectively look at yourself as much as possible. That's part of, that's the whole point of yoga is learning how to objectively witness who you are so that you can shift action accordingly. So when you have that moment of objectivity, what you can do is actually write down, okay, what are the things, not that come easy to you, but that you enjoy. It doesn't have to be like very specific, but general areas. Mm -hmm. Do you like to publicly speak? Do you like to, are you an inventor? Right. Um, are you an innovator? How? And from that, you sort of have to go, okay, I'm going to decide this path and stick to it. That doesn't mean it's going to come in one morning. That doesn't mean it's going to come in two mornings. It's sort of that you are going through a process of refining this vision of what is the area of activity that's most evolutionary because actions per se are not good or bad. Right. So somebody being a doctor is not better or less than somebody who's an entrepreneur. It's all the intention behind your action. So if your action, your intention is unselfish, it doesn't matter which action you perform. So you could be a gardener and be as spiritual as somebody like Mother Teresa. It's just what's behind your action. So once you identify an area of activity, then refine the intention behind your action. Like how do I do this as less selfish as, as possible, as least selfish as possible? And then from there, you ultimately feel happier. Because the less selfish you are, the happier you are. It's like giving a gift to somebody is so much more exciting, at least in my land, yeah, than right. gifting yourself. Though we all like to buy gifts for ourselves. Right. Um, <laughs> but well, we don't realize the way, the way you're um, talking here is by working on yourself, by working on ourselves is the gift to ourself. A hundred percent. So we're constantly by working on ourselves. Yes. Or, or that, that's the gift. Totally. And people often say to me, um, well, you know, I have a lot of needs and I need to make sure that I take care of myself. But I know our listeners can't see, like, I really like to use concentric circles as a visual. Mm -hmm. And so when you are serving other people, the, the thought is, is that there's like, you have a tank of gas and your service to other people is like, your gas is going to run out and you're going to be left empty. 
but really you're included in your concentric circle. You're the center. So if you take care of yourself and you take care of other people, you're still included in that. So as your efforts expand out to other circles and other people, it's not like you're out of the circle. Like you're the center of that circle and your basic needs. Like if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's not like you don't eat, don't drink, don't go to yoga, don't take care of yourself. But to what extent? Do it to the extent that it allows for you to serve better and then think of other people. So it's just a it's a it's a shifting of how we see ourselves placed in our world, mm-hmm. which is counter to our culture because our culture is um, individualistic, right. and mm-hmm. we don't want to go so far to like being. Um, I, I won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I knew where I, I won't go. Okay, I, I won't go there. <laughs> anyway, so I just think it's a it's an interesting thought. But so, it, really quickly, back to what you were saying. Yeah. Think about it. It's just self-reflection. It's giving yourself enough pause. Find something that's inspiring. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be Vedanta. It could be the Bible. It could be the Torah. It could be anything that you find that makes you a better person. Study that information reflectively. And then in that time period, start to think about, I mean, it sounds a little trite, but who am I? Right. You know? Right. I like it. So you get to get up early. 3.55, set your alarm. It's tough. That's what we had to do at the academy. 4.15 every morning. And that was that. And what was the, so give us the exercise. Is it meditation? No. Okay. We were not allowed to meditate. We were at five minutes of meditation. Um, If you look at, even if you look at Patanjali's eight steps, um, if you look at um, even Vedanta, meditation is the sort of last step toward enlightenment, if you will, or self-realization. If that's in your thought pattern. Um, so we studied. We woke up at 4.15 from 4.45 just about or 4.30 to 5.45 or 5.30. You studied information from the previous day. You had tea, yoga, running, breakfast, lecture, karma, and everybody had their own job. So like I was in charge of my teacher's house, which was like, is the salt on the table? This is where I learned that no job is more or less important because if it's your role, it's important. Yes. Right. Um, Lunch, nap, tea, lecture, singing, meditation for five minutes, dinner, bed. Every day, no break, nothing changed for three years. years. Wow. That sounds fun for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that's just as bad. That's about as long as most people lasted. But it was, there were really no, there were three Westerners just about when I was there. So it's primarily Indian um, or Indians from South America, um, South, excuse me, South Africa. Um, but now it's getting bigger. It's getting much bigger. Wow. How'd you find this? Um, through a local yoga studio. Um, they talked a lot about it. And then it was just, I knew that I had to go. You knew that you had to go, and that's kind of, you know, it's the journey, listening to that intuition and voice. So then you get back. Is that how we how you started Citizen? Or yeah, how? the holy, the getting back was the holy crap. Okay. The getting back was... Oh, I, reality. Yeah, yeah, I still thought had people had, that. like, flip phones. Right. <laughs> I, I also thought Instagram was, like, a filter, and so I would have somebody take a picture, filter, and text it to me because oh, I didn't funny. understand, like... <laughs> The, the role of Instagram in your life. Um, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It, um, we were talking before the podcast. I've been reading a book by Stefan Junger um, called Tribe and about how important it is to have, um, he says, having a tribe, having people around you is rare and precious. And to me, that's what Citizen, I created in Citizen because mm-hmm. I couldn't find it anywhere else. Right. Um, so it was like, okay, 
if I can't find it, I just need to build it. Good basically. for you, right? Good for you. Um, and so I got back and had a tough year, year and a half of living here and trying to. F- I mean, we're li- we live in houses by ourselves. I lived with forty-five women mm. who like watched my every move. Mm. Like, if my hair was not neatly combed i had a conversation with an auntie there <laughs> I, mean, auntie. I had i had no i had no no freedom that sounds so nice an auntie we uh, all need to have auntie. an auntie in our correct. house <laughs> correct an auntie um so yeah so i got back and you must I, have felt so alone yeah i did very alone um but i also had the knowledge for a little while and I had learned a different form of yoga. So one of the things that I found when I was living at the academy, I was, I was brought up in an exercise culture. How much more can we do? I mean, I, I love my mom and I love her friends, but they love to exercise. And I grew up in that and I right. love it. I, they made me a healthy person. But um, in India, when I walked in the yoga room, first off, we didn't use yoga mats. Okay. Um, we did eye exercises. Like oh, yeah. I taught five I Sundays, and the and the, and they they didn't come back to class because they were like, Casey, that's way too hard. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but what I found is that when um, you study alignment, which is part of what we did there, um, very minimal yoga though, and you slow down. So I grew up in a vinyasa culture. When you slow down, actually, is when my body started to change. Is when my hips really started to open. When my hamstrings started to open. And it shifted this idea that you don't have to work so hard. I say in class all the time, like, please don't ever work out a day in your life after you find the studio. Because this is a self-reflective practice. It's not an aerobic practice. The body benefit is just awesome. Um, But poses should be medicine. So when I moved home, I couldn't find that. And um, sort of Chris and I were sharing sort of the aha moments that we've had in life. And my field hockey coach from Cranbrook owned a building in Royal Oak. I was not looking to open a yoga studio. I never taught a yoga class in anywhere in Michigan, basically, in front of a studio. Um, that was sort of how most yoga studios were built. Like teachers taught somewhere, then they moved and opened their own. And I was sort of like, well, I don't, I want to teach alignment yoga. And this was unheard of. Mm-hmm. People were like, what is alignment? Right. I, how many times I had to teach Chaturanga the first like month we were open? I was like, no, 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 no. Halfway. Right. You're not getting less, I promise. You're getting more. Um, and I was driving back, and it was like, I'm going to open a yoga studio. Mm. Called my mom, and my didn't tell my dad. I called my mom, was like, I'm going to be opening a yoga studio. And she was like, you're out of your mind. And I, I knew it was like, I, this is my purpose. And in that yeah. moment, depression just went mm. out. Because you found the purpose. Found your purpose. purpose. Yeah. And I believed that we could start a different form of a yoga community where people said hello, mm-hmm. people were kind to each other, like on their mats, that we could talk in class. Mm-hmm. We say our noble silence is conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to know people's names because that's what was so endearing about living in India. Right. Is that everybody cared about you and they knew your name and you didn't feel alone even though it was hard and horrible mm-hmm. and it was not glamorous at all. Mm-hmm. Right. It was right. tough. Yeah, <laughs> really hard. So that was, like, and, I, and I got that feel when I walked into your studio, yeah. like just, just, just the vibe from, from everybody that was there. Yeah. So what is the, um, the demographic, you know, we've been on here trying to, you know, one of our missions is just kind of bringing awareness to men of yeah. these tools. What, what, what's the percentage of men in your studio that are, go, that go to your studio? 
I would say um, it depends on the time of day. Okay. Um, but we are around 35 to 40% male Great. at this point. And um, makes me super happy. I remember one night I was teaching a 7 p.m. vinyasa. And I think there were 25 men and like 20 women. Wow. And I was like sort wow. of blown away. Yeah. Because male energy can be really like, whoa. Right. And it was awesome. And that is awesome. This, that was a moment that was unheard of when I was younger. Right. That's music to my ears. That's great that, that, to, to hear that more and more men are practicing. practicing. Totally. And what would you recommend, you know, anytime we have a, uh, someone who's, and you've done yoga your, maybe your whole life, I mean, since 10, but if someone's like, what's the recommendation if someone's kind of just like no. looking like new into me. it? Yeah. yeah. Like, let's you, I, was like, I like martial John. arts and everyone John. keeps trying to suck me into yoga. And, and, John, and, John's wife, and, John, and John's wife does both. And we've been working on John. And so, yeah, I mean, what's, what's the recommendation for someone to start to start exploring this? And, sure. And the um, intent. That don't they go to a vinyasa there. class. Okay. Uh, okay. You don't want to be lost. So my theory is that people don't want to feel lost. They don't mind difficult. So um, I want you to feel taken care of throughout the entire class. So we have a basics class, which is great. We have a slow burn class, which is completely guided. Um, but it's really the understanding what yoga culture is and finding a studio that, that is open and accessible. Um, one of the things that we focus a lot on is not, there are so many different experience levels. So let's talk about like, okay, beginner, which is why I opened Detroit. We opened with tons of beginners, um, beginner people that are sort of familiar, but then you also have body types. And right. you, how many different body types we see. Like my goal is to be as body diverse as possible. I never wanted somebody to look at me and go, I have to look like that in order to be a yogi. Right. And successfully we have created a culture that people can vary in any size and they feel safe and comfortable and accepted. So when you talk about a beginner, like somebody who's never come to class, know what to bring. Bring a towel so you don't slip on your mat mm -hmm. because slipping makes your experience really unsteady and you already sort of feel unsteady in the experience of being on your mat. Um, choose the right class. So on our, our website, one of the things I did in my class descriptions is make sure that I told people what class to start at. And um, I would do a basics. Our basics class is eight people. Um, so that might be a, a good start. Okay. And try to remind yourself that we're not trying to learn poses, we're trying to learn principles. So you you could have a forward fold that will look really different to the person next to you. Because some people think alignment's like a perfectionism and it's not. Or like, oh, well, we're not all the same. It's like, yeah, but we all have hair and we clearly don't all look the same. Mm -hmm. And so just because we have alignment principles, which are universal for our physical human body, does not mean that you'll look the same in it because we vary so greatly sure. physically. So finding a place inside of yourself to be like, I accept whatever this experience is, have the least amount of expectations and say, okay, I'm new to something. I'm not a master yogi. Mm -hmm. So allow yourself to be in that learning process of something new, because you only get it once. Like right. I don't get mine. I don't really remember mine anymore. Right. And how fun right. to be in a learning experience again and watch yourself in sort of the, the change dynamic of turbulence to see how you're gonna acquire coping skills through the practice of yoga. 
You can give me a tip here then. Sure. Because this just happened to me yesterday, okay. accidentally. Okay. <laughs> but everything happens for a reason. So I am teaching, so I got my certification. So I'm a... a RYT. A, RYT. And Great. I just plan on getting it and see you know, what happens with it. Well, anyway, I'm teaching two, two men tomorrow in their 30s. Athletes have never done yoga before, Great. are intimidated by it. One is, I would consider is, has never done it. One is like tried it. And I like this basic concept. So what would be some two tips when I do yeah. with these guys? Because I'm like, oh, I got to write out a flow tonight. And I was thinking like some type of slow burn or something for these two guys. But uh-huh. so, I yeah, I like this. Recommend? This is good. Yeah, this is what, perfect. What would I recommend? Yeah. Um, I if most men have really tight hamstrings, really tight hips. OK. OK, that's general if they've never. Yeah, take take some notes. We're gonna gonna do this flow right now, man. (laughs) So think of it less like a okay. Think of it less like a flow. Yep. And think that you're trying to help them into basic shape. Basic shape involves um, three things. Okay. Foot placement. Where your pelvis is is facing. Mm -hmm. So if you're in Warrior One, um, Crescent, things like that, it would be forward facing. Mm -hmm. And um, arms. Where are your arms? What are they doing? Get them to that place okay. and pause and let them experience that. Props are really helpful. So I always say props are not handicap stickers. I grew up in a culture that if you were using a block, it felt less than. Okay. And um, I would say that actually props give you a lot more because they give you the space that you don't have yet. So think of yoga not as a, a measure of strength. Flip it and say space. We're looking to develop space. So for these guys, they just have a little less space, which is why they're going to sweat their right. faces off tomorrow. With right. you. <laughs> I gotta, I'm got to bring some mats for them because that's one thing I didn't and say. And a towel. Or, or towel. Towel, I meant. They towel, have the towel, mats, towel. The towel, the towel. Um, so blocks are really helpful. If you don't have okay. any, you can borrow some. Okay. Um, blocks help to offer them a modification for space that they don't potentially have, and it'll make them feel more stable. Okay. Um, I do a lot on the back first, so open their hips um, okay. Need a chest. Okay. Um, like supine pigeon. So ink, um, ankle or think like supine gentleman's pose. That would probably be more familiar. Okay. Yeah. Ankle over the thigh. Yeah. Um, give them certain things that'll help them open their body enough. Okay. And remind themselves, remind them consistently to try to shift the breath. So the mm-hmm. breath piece, when you breathe, um, Ujjayi won't be as understandable, so don't right. over push it. Right. Um, diaphragmatic breath is really helpful in and out through the nose, but belly expands a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, you're trying to shift your experience of fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Fight or flight, to me, a lessened version of fight or flight is stress. Because mm. stress is mind, past, and future. When you're in fight or flight, you're like, holy shit, mm-hmm. run, right. or what's going on in the past, and you are, cannot be in the present moment. You go out of body. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do through yoga breath is pull you to the present moment. So mm-hmm. really focus on pausing right. with them and, mm-hmm. and coaching breath. Hmm. Okay. Basic shapes. Okay. I say the seven basic poses. Warrior one, warrior two. All right. This is good. This is perfect. Oh, yeah. Warrior, okay. warrior one, warrior two, yep. extended side angle or Parjvakanasana. We could do a little Sanskrit for you guys. Okay. Um, triangle pose, Trikonasana. Perfect. Um. You could do a prayer twist or a lunging twist, depending on their ability. Okay. And half moon. Perfect. All right. Right? Those are those are your basics. Yeah. And those are the things that they need to understand in order to feel successful. You start with standing poses because standing poses give you strength and confidence. Yes. And the, the principles are clearer because there's 
you're more upright. Right. When you go to seated, everybody feels like I'm stuck in a box. Mm-hmm. Help me. I always think of that Austin Powers. Sorry, we're miming over yeah, yeah, here. Right. You guys can't see. Um, so don't even take them to the other side of the mat or just like just for the first day, just keep them. Yeah. Other side has nothing. Grass isn't greener on the other side of right, the mat. Right. Okay, good. good. <laughs> All right, this is helpful. This is great. Johnny, I, I forgot that. I can start teaching you too, kid. Yeah. See? I don't know. She's kind of sucking me in. I might have to yeah, go, go over there, to Citizens Yoga. Yeah, yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. She, and it's close to you. Where it's do you live? close. Oh, well, don't live, tell our listeners. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. I live at, no, I live in Berkeley. <laughs> you do? Yeah, oh, yeah. that's really close. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's awesome. I'm, I'm in Royal Lake all the time. I might have to check yeah. it out because a lot of what you're saying resonates with, with a lot, with me and a lot of things that, a lot of the principles that. I learned and we talk about in my martial arts school. Exactly. Where we talk a lot about the way we, we learn our martial arts, a lot, about, a lot of it is learning the principles of doing things. Like we don't do these specified forms. We don't do things like in some traditional martial arts that, that happen. It's like we learn how to, we learn the alphabet so that we can start spelling words so that we can start writing sentences. We literally say that exact same thing when we're running our teacher training is that people who go through teacher training, they expect to be these, I mean, master teachers and and that's frustrating. And so it's like start in one place right? and then allow yourself to grow through that learning space. I mean, I learn all the time. I've been practicing for 22 years. I am never bored Mm. ever. Cause I'm always like looking, okay, what, right. how can I, how can I shift this? How can I shift this for more optimal? So when you think of alignment, alignment is just optimal. Mm-hmm. There's no perfect. So don't define your practice by what you can and cannot do. Yeah. Just h- how are your responses? Look at your responses more than the poses and you're going to love it. I love it already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to get over there. I, you know what? Are you going to commit? Your first class is free. Well, you know, I've committed to Johnny. I've committed to Tommy. (laughs) Now I'm committing to Casey. That's fine. I'll get you. I believe it. I'll get you. She's going to track you down. I will. (laughs) You're going. Yeah. I think I am. Actually, when? The basics class, Monday night, 6 p.m. Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Saturday mornings, 8.45 and 10 a.m. And Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Okay. Maybe I can make one. You're going to make one. I'm going to make one. Yeah. It's a great class. It's and it's the same poses over and over again. That's perfect for you because yeah, it's it's a protocol for, for back health. So we do a lot with um, rehabilitation. Okay. So that that would be and not that you need to have. I mean, it's just tight. It's space. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a back injury in order to go to class. Yeah. If you feel like your hips are a little tight and your hamstrings are a little tight, and you want some core strength, we got it. Yeah. All right. It's cool. I like it. Um. If we have, how, how are we doing on time? We got probably like three minutes. Oh, we got three minutes. Okay. Is that so, all right? Three minutes? Yeah, perfect. All right. So let's just, well, I, we're going to end with where can people find you? Because you're sure. all over the f- place with these babies and everything. So where, where can yeah. people find you? Uh, or <laughs> Online, your studios? Yeah. So our studio is Citizen Yoga. Um, our website citizenyogastudio.com. We have one in Royal Oak on Washington, one downtown Detroit on Library Street. We do a lot um, with subsidized programs down there with Quicken Loans and Bedrock. Oh, great. So, wow. um, and then we're opening a third location at Maple and Telegraph, which was just announced this past weekend. So Exciting. One more. And then 2018, we have plans outside of the Metro Detroit area. 
and then across the country, hopefully. So we'll see people everywhere. Hopefully, That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and I think that that's it. We also are teaching. I just got invited to teach on Comerica Field at Comerica Park, oh. September 25th. So that's one of our next big events coming up. Um, so you can, maybe that'll be my first. Yeah, yeah. I want to be, be so, so, I'm gonna get on the field somehow. So you're even wearing. You're wearing the D. Um, <laughs> so we are. If you sign up for um, the game, it's right after the game on a Sunday, oh, cool. and you get a free yoga mat oh. with a, with the Detroit D on it. Oh, yeah, so, you gotta go. Perfect. So Maybe that was I'll go with you, but that you was our newest go. thing. So oh, that, wow, that's big. We'll cool. Yeah. Awesome. That is awesome. Well, we gotta stay in touch. Yeah. Thanks. With, with your journey. This was awesome. This has been fun. Yeah. Thank thanks you guys. so much for being on the show. Of it course. It was a great talk. Yeah. Thank you guys. And um, go ahead. And nope. if you want to make sure you know when our next guest is coming on the show, be sure to subscribe to the Humble Warrior Podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at The Warrior Pod and like The Humble Warrior Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you, Casey, for being on the show. And until next week, live brave. Join us next week for the next episode of The Humble Warrior Podcast. Subscribe to The Humble Warrior Podcast by visiting chrisforte.com.